the Lord and bless the Lord. Thank you for your giving and all that you do. Let us bow our heads. Just gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. honor you. God, I ask that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. amen. With your Bibles in your hands. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. Yes, we connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Now come on, put your hands together this morning. Praise the Lord. We're going to move right into the title for today. And would you just put it up there for me? Simply this, I lost it. I lost it. In, uh, in most cases, that phrase is a phrase that is somewhat negative. But by the time we're going to finish, you're going to uh, agree that this is something you want in your life. You want to be able to say, I lost it. So first of all, let's, let's go and let's touch the negative things. Whenever you, uh, let's say that you got your car repossessed and somebody says, man, where's your car? I lost it. It's not, it's not a good thing. Or maybe you were in that nice car. And you had road rage. And now you're in jail. And somebody say, what happened to you? I lost it. I lost it. But we don't want to focus on the I lost it that's negative. There is a positive I lost it. But it doesn't always seem positive at first. And so as we work through this, you're going to get to the place where you can say of a surety there's some stuff that you want to be able to say, I lost it about. Now, my keys, my wallet, my money, uh, I don't want to lose that. My mind, I don't want to lose that. really don't have enough mind to be giving you a piece of my mind. I don't want to lose my mind. I don't want to have that context. But I do want to show us there are things that we can say of a clarity and of a surety that I lost it. So... We're going to bring up the definition of lost, and you guys may not see it right away until uh, whatever the issue is is fixed, but these are the two definitions of lost, things that you, you already know, but first is unable to find one's way, not knowing one's whereabouts. So that's a different type of loss. That's actually when you have lost your direction. And then there, number two is this. It says denoting something that has been taken away or cannot be recovered. Something taken away and cannot be recovered. Something taken away and cannot be recovered. That's the one that I want us to focus on. Um, since it came up, go, go uh, back up to that definition. It's number two that I, I want to focus on, denoting something that has been taken away or cannot be recovered. I want you to have a lost it to where what you lose cannot be recovered. It's been stripped away from you and it cannot be recovered. All right, Matthew 16, 21 through 26. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read this. If, uh, if you have a Bible, you can follow along with your Bible just in case the screens keep blinking in and out. So we're going to start with Matthew 16 and 21. And the scripture says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. We do not like that word. Well, let me not talk about y'all. I do not like that word. 
and suffer many things. I really don't like that phrase. Suffer is one thing, but to suffer many things. From the elders and chief priests and scribes, in other words, from the church folk. And then it says, and be killed. But then it adds, and be raised on the third day. Let's look at verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Peter, we're hard on Peter when we look at scriptures because Peter's the one who always blurted things out. But, but I understand where Peter was coming from. What Peter was saying is, you can't get these people to believe you're a king if you keep talking about you're going to die. You, you can't keep telling these people that, that you came to be the Messiah, the Savior, if you keep talking about you about to go through stuff and you're going to die. So, so, so stop, stop saying that stuff, Jesus. Let's look how Jesus responded. Let's look at verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. It's interesting that Jesus did not address him as Peter. Jesus knew who he was, but Jesus understood it wasn't Peter who was actually talking. And so that brings me to my first point. I'm going to have three points under this passage of scripture and we'll have more points under the next passage. But my first point is you must know how to recognize the voice of Satan hidden in a trusted friend. We, we recognize the voice of Satan hidden in the enemy, but sometimes the voice of Satan can be hidden in a trusted friend because the friend cares so much for you they don't want you to go through anything, but there are some things that are assigned to your life that you can't back out of, that you can't walk away from, that you can't get out of because they're part of your destiny. And so you got to know when Satan is speaking through somebody that you love. Get behind me, Satan. Now, you don't have to be as bold as Jesus and call your friends and your family Satan, but sometimes your mama is operating out of Satan. Your daddy is operating out of Satan. Your spouse, your, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, because they don't understand the assignment that you have. And everything that's assigned to us is not pretty. It's not all pretty. And so Jesus is like, get behind me. Say, you don't understand. This is what I came here for. I was born for this. I wasn't just born to declare that I'm Messiah. I was actually born to die. And if I allow you to infect my thinking, the very thing I was called to do, I will get out of it because it's easier to do it another way. It's easier to tip out on your marriage than it is to remain faithful when things are hard. It's easier to cheat on your taxes to get a little extra money than it is to put down what actually happened in the year of the tax cycle. It's easier to do this and do that. It's easier to run to the addiction than it is to buckle down and focus on what you're trying to focus on. So you have to understand when somebody beside you that you trust is trying to get you off of what God has for you. Uh, what Jesus told Peter, he said, you are an offense to me. The word offense or the word offend is mainly two words, off and end. You can't let somebody get you off of the end that God has for you. If you get me off of the end, I will end up where God wants me to be. So I can't listen to you, even though what you say sounds better than what I really have to deal with. I'll give you an example. Um, Pastor Andre... You lost your father. You should, probably should just shut down church for a couple of weeks, get yourself together, go to therapy, and then maybe pick up where you left off. That sounded good. That was easier than getting back up here and trying to lead a group of people. And the reason why I felt that I needed to move forward is because it just wasn't my father. This was y'all apostle. 
It was y'all bishops. So we all were lost. It wasn't just me. We all were lost. Many people that are here, they actually joined the ministry under him and not under me. So even though it would have been easier to shut down and take a break, the call for my life was to buckle down and face it. Lead people through it. Struggle through it. It was difficult, but it was the call assigned to me. When God told me to pastor this church, don't you think he knew we would go through that? He knew ahead of time. Now, he didn't bother telling me, but he knew it. And so I could not listen to it, even though it was sound advice from a trusted friend. It wasn't what I needed to do. All right, let's let's move forward. I don't want to go too long. I, I feel a lengthy spirit, even though I don't have my bow tie on. I feel a lengthy spirit getting it on me. So uh, let's, let's move to verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Point number two, following Jesus starts off as losing before gaining. Starts off as losing before gaining. So, so, in September, I was at a conference, and uh, the God, the Spirit of God moved in the conference to differ from the speaker. The speaker was supposed to speak, but he began to just start praying for people instead of speaking and preaching. And this particular person is someone who has sang background for many gospel artists. And in the middle of him praying for people, he stopped and he said, God just gave me a song. And he just began to sing. I won't sing it, but I'll tell you the words. It says decrease means increase losing means gaining and trials mean victory he began to sing that over and over and had us sing it with him and and the point that the spirit of god was making is that often what we go through does not look like what it will become you 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 take a woman who's who's pregnant the, the baby, the joyous, bouncing baby boy, baby girl at the end of the nine months is not how the thing begins. You, you take somebody who deals with morning sickness and pain. All that pain is going to produce joy, but you got to get through the pain to get to the joy. So in this life, yes, there's blessings. Yes, there's God's going to turn it around and God's going to fix it up. And I preach many of those messages when God gives me those messages. But right now, God is telling me to tell you, go through what you got to go through. Because on the other side, there is something on the other side. But you got to get to the other side. So you got to buckle down and go through it. This ain't those happy messages, but it's just... A, a truthful message. Let's look at Matthew sixteen twenty five. So he 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 gets deeper. Says, "For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it." He's saying this system is set up opposite from the world system. The world system: if you want to save something, you maintain it you keep it if you want to save it you keep it but he said if you try to save your life you're going to end up losing it but if you choose to lose it for me you're going to end up saving it so the point i'm trying to make to you is i want you to lose it i want you to lose your life for him i want you to go through whatever he's called you to go through because in the end it will produce what god wants it to produce, and you'll be happy in the end, even if you're not happy in the meantime. One of the reasons why I don't have big chests, big biceps, and big triceps is because I was working out with a friend, and after a while, I quit. I got so sore, my body was hurting so bad. Now, if you look at me and him, we weigh the same size, but he's big and bulky. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't like the idea of no pain. No gain. So I just said, forget it. <laughs> I try to stay healthy, but all that pumping iron, I just, I just, I, but I would look, I would look different than I look right now. When I pull off my undershirt, my belly would look different than it look right now. But I gave up because it was hard. Now, it's okay to do that when it comes to exercise. But the Bible says, body exercise profit a little. But when it comes to things with the spirit, if you quit because it gets hard, the only person you hurt is 
you. All right, I got 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 to keep going. Let's let's uh, look at where 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 am I at? Let's look at verse twenty six. And this is a powerful verse. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is good preaching, but it's difficult living because when you live. You, you, you want things that actually want to help your soul. I, there's some vacations I still want to go on. There's some places I still want to eat. There's some things I still want to do. But you can't do all those things and be called to what I'm called to. Some stuff I just got to let go and say, maybe I'll get blessed in heaven. Some stuff I just can't do here in this life because it's, it's not worth the exchange of my soul. I say the same thing to you. Even though we're in a message of grace, an age of grace, there's some stuff you shouldn't be doing because it's not worth what it's going to do to your soul. Pastor Andre, I'm going to take a year vacation in Paris. Well, are there any churches in Paris that you can go to? I don't know. I just got money to go to Paris. It, well, it may not be for you. Because while you're in Paris, your spirit is going to be dying. You, 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 you need something that's going to, to minister to your spirit and minister to your soul. Don't do anything that will trade what God has given you for some momentary, temporary pleasures or satisfaction. Actually, I don't even like the word satisfaction because anything outside of God won't really satisfy. It, it will just tempt you. So we have to understand that. And, and, and in most cases, we know that we've given up a lot, but there may be more to give up. Look at your neighbor and say, there may be more to give up. All right, let's, let's look at point number three that I'm going to put up. It's losing to avoid being lost. Now, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm going to make it make sense by going back to the two definitions I gave you, but here's the, the point I make it. It's losing to avoid being lost. So let's go back to these two definitions that we had. Definition one, unable to find one's way, not knowing one's whereabout. So let's look at that not as losing your direction. Let's look at that as losing your spiritual life where you are lost. You know the song writer that says, I once was lost. But now I'm found. But the next verse says, denoting, I mean, not the next verse, but the next uh, definition says, denoting something that has been taken away or cannot be recovered. And here's what I'm saying. We want to lose us so in the end we won't be lost. In other words, when, when this is all said and done, when, when, when they tag my T-O-E, which means when they put the tag to say, I'm dead. Only what I did for Christ is going to last. So I would rather lose me now so I won't be lost later. One, one scripture says that God said, in the age of the kingdom, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. It does me no good to preach every Sunday and then get before God and him have to say, I never knew you because I wouldn't lose now so I won't be lost later. I love you, but there's not one of you worth me missing out on eternity with God. So if I got to lose telling you off now, so I won't be lost later. I'm going to do what I need to do now so that I can be what I need to be later. What I love, one of my favorite candies was now and later. In other words, I want to be blessed now and later. I don't want to have a blessing that makes me trade in uh, later for now. Because I would rather have heaven than I would have just some stuff right now. There's a lot of young people that just do not understand this. I want some money now, so I'm going to uh, make a plan to rob a bank now, but that's going to hurt you later. I, I, I'm going I'm to do this now. Well, well, they, they told me all my life, stay off of drugs, but hey, I want to experiment now, but that might mess up your later. So I want both now and later, not now or later. I want to be blessed now and I want to be blessed later. In order to do that, I got to lose now so I won't be lost later. All right. There we go. That, I, 
I feel y'all tracking with me. Let's let's continue to move. Let's. Uh, I'm going to put up this quote. Hopefully, uh, you can just listen to me if it doesn't stay up. Those online, they're able to see what you guys can't see. So it says this: It is in our nature to protect and preserve our lives and livelihoods at all costs. It's in our nature. By nature, we insulate ourselves against pain, hardship, and loss. And that natural inclination is not inherently bad. There's nothing wrong with self-survival. There's nothing wrong with that. You should be doing that. Nothing wrong with self-care. You should be doing that. But then this writer adds this, yet Jesus' radical call stretches us to think beyond our natural instinct to selfishly pursue comfort and avoid sacrifice. Nothing wrong with protecting yourself, but sometimes God is going to call you to not be comfortable and to sacrifice. To sacrifice. Sometimes in order to bless somebody else, you have to sacrifice. In order for me to pastor this church, I have to sacrifice because I could work seven days a week and make way more than I make, but I would be missing out on the call of God for my life. Uh, I had a, a guy that I worked next to every single day. That person made like $200,000 plus working the job that I worked, but he was in there all the time. He didn't turn down any overtime. I don't have to have 200000 but I can make more than what I make if I didn't care about y'all. I could just be like, no, I'm not doing that. Y'all, y'all, y'all can carry on. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But guess what? I would be trading in momentary pleasures for what God has called me to do. And let me tell you the truth of the matter is, even though I could make more, I'd much rather be here than be there. I don't care when I go to bed at night on Sunday morning, I wake up bright and early and I'm ready to come to the house of God. I don't care how much sleep I got. I don't care about getting up to go to General Motors. I look at my days and say, is this a day I could call in? I mean, I already know I use all my days, but I go look on the computer just in case. I don't want to be here because it doesn't fulfill me. Let me tell you something I did back when I was in Muncie. I don't do it now that I've been driving on the road. But back when I was in Muncie, I was in the parking lot of General Motors and turned around and left. I was, I was, I was already there, but just something came on me. I don't, I don't want to be here today. It was second shift. The sun was out. I was supposed to be there at three at two forty-five. I backed my car out of the parking lot and went home because it doesn't fulfill me. But even when nobody's here, I can step in this building and something happens down in my sanctified soul because I'm called to this. I'm willing to sacrifice because at the end of the day, when I stand before my master, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I'm willing to lose now to gain later. Y'all doing the same thing. You ain't, you don't have to come on Sunday morning. Been through hell all week long. But some of y'all say, I got to get to the house of God. Some of y'all have been on vacation and will still log into the service on vacation. Because you say there's something about this God that I serve. There's something about the word that I hear. Even though I'm enjoying myself, I still want me some God. Still want me some God. All right. Got to move on. And so I'm going to go to Isaiah 54 through 11. And what I'm going to do with this, I'm going to read Isaiah 50, and then I'm going to give us a point, and then I'm going to add some extra verses that support the verse that's in Isaiah 50. And so just follow along with me as you can. Isaiah 50 and 4 says it's the sovereign Lord. The word sovereign means the supreme leader, the supreme Lord. What's so beautiful about us serving God is that we're serving the supreme God. So at least I know I'm not serving no rinky-dink God. If I was my dad, I'd say it like this. We don't, we're not serving Mickey Mouse and we're not serving Donald Duck. We're not serving a figment of our imagination. We're serving the God that put the universe together. And the Bible says he knows me by name, knows 
the numbers of hair on my head. That includes the weave you bought yesterday. He knows everything about you. And I'm so glad that I'm serving him. All right. So the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Here's point number one. I lost my desire to comfort with my own words. One of the worst things that people do is when folk are going through times, they just say anything. Well, uh, uh, God needed another angel, so he took your, your loved one. Stop saying stupid stuff. If God didn't tell you to say it, don't say nothing. Because people, you are adding to their pain saying stuff that God did not tell you to say. So I lose my desire to comfort my own words. What, what the uh, writer in Isaiah is saying is saying that I would rather listen to God and then speak a word of comfort when it's needed. There are times that people have gone through things and I didn't have anything to say until several months later. And then I inbox them and say, God told me to tell you this. They were like, oh, I needed it. And But well, what, Pastor, why didn't you say something early? Because I didn't have nothing to say. I've sat in rooms where people were dying and I know they're taking their last breath and I don't have nothing to say. I just, I, I just stay and I pray. I do what I can. I don't have nothing, nothing to offer for myself. I wait till God speaks because only God can comfort. Empty words and empty cliches do more hurt than they do good. Shut up and let God talk. And if God's not speaking, don't you speak. You just pray. You just show up. When I didn't lose my father, I don't remember everything everybody said, but I remember everybody that showed up. I remember every kind gesture. You don't have to have a bunch of words. And even when it comes not just to uh, death and loss, but just when it comes to many things, sometimes Christians just say too much. No, just only say what God tells you to say. There are people telling folk to stay with a man that God tells them to leave. Well, God hates divorce and you know, God, listen, get out of their marriage and work on your own. Shut up and let God speak. So I lose my desire to comfort with my own words. All right. So, so let's, let's put up John 12, 49. It says it this way. I don't, this is Jesus saying, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Let me throw this out there. If Jesus, the son of God, if he wouldn't speak without listening to his father, what makes you think you can speak without listening to your father? Shut the heaven up. Shut the heaven up. Amen. Enough of that. Number two. Point number two. This is added in there. I lost my desire to use my own understanding. Have you ever used your understanding and you two plus two ended up equaling seven? You, you use your logic and it was totally wrong. Actually, uh, as I was looking last, uh, week or over the last actually couple of weeks and looking at what I wanted to, uh, grab from my father what, to, to play for us on his birthday, I came across, uh, just several of his sermons just looking at, and I came across the one where he tells the story of him having a female friend and this female friend was out of town. And he knew what the female friend's uh, car was like. And so he's seen her husband driving her car with another woman. And he was so ready to tell on that man until he got up to the stoplight and looked over. And it was not that man. It was somebody else. And so he said the Lord corrected him because he was getting ready to cause a big stink because he thought it was the same color car, it was the same type of car, but it was a different man. And so using his own understanding, he was about to mess some stuff up. And let me tell you, some folk in church have started rumors that had killed marriages, killed families, and they had it all wrong. I've had rumors about me about places I, w I never was at. I've had rumors about me about places that I was at. One particular one was I was riding with a friend to work. We were going to Indianapolis. I would park my car at his house while we would go 
to Indianapolis and work the midnight shift. We wouldn't get off to like 11 o'clock. wouldn't get home to like midnight. So somebody told my wife that my car was at this other uh, lady's house all night long. It was there all like night long because I was working with her husband. I wasn't in her house. I was working with her husband. But using their own understanding, they had it all wrong. Thank God for a wise wife that just don't believe in it. If, if Devin believe everything she hear, listen, she's she been a beat me up a long time ago. But you can't use your own understanding. So that leads me to the verse. This is one of my favorite verses of all times. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. Just, just, just don't do it. Just, so somebody just say, just say, just don't do it. Nike says, just do it. I'm saying, just don't do it. Don't lean to your own understanding because what you have to remember, I don't care how saved you are, you're human. And in your humanness, you will mess stuff up. Going back to my wife, I've been mad at her for stuff she didn't say. I say something to her. She say something back. I'm upset with her. And then when she comes up and I find out, now what, what you say? She's like, I said this. Oh, 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 never mind. How you doing? For the last seven minutes, I've been mad at her because I thought she got smart with me, but she didn't say what I thought she said. It was my own understanding. Some of y'all look good, but you think people are laughing at you and those people ain't thinking nothing about you. And now, I, why, why, why don't you wear that dress no more? But the last time I wore it, folk laughed at me. They didn't laugh at you. That's your own understanding. Your own insecurities will ruin a marriage, will ruin a relationship. It will ruin friendships. Don't lose or don't use your own understanding. This is what you got to do. I, I don't use it, but lose it. I'm not going to use my own understanding. I'm actually going to lose it. All right, let's go to Isaiah 50 and 5. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. So point number three, I lost my desire to rebel. Instead, I listened. I'm going to lose my desire to rebel. Guess what? Once we get, I, I should say, once we get 21, I, I, I got I to back that up because I'm, I'm raising teenagers now. And their mouth done got a little smarter than it was when they was 8, 9, 10. Their opinions are a little stronger. And there's just a little tendency to rebel. And I don't like using this, but lately I have been, I've been having to say, because I said so. I don't like to pull it out, but because I pay the bills in this house. Because I pay for your lights and everything, your phone that you pulling out and texting on. I pay for that. So so you may not like my ways, but it's not up to you to like uh, my ways because you are not in control. I am. But just like I can say that to them, God can say the same thing to us. I'm the one who put breath in your body. I'm the one who started you on your way. I'm the one who forgave your sins. I'm the one who was there when you did what I told you not to do. And I had to catch you before you fell. I was the one. So I lose my right or my need or my desire to rebel. And I listen. Easier said than done because not everything God says I like. Don't say anything. Forgive. I don't feel like forgiving. I feel like talking. I feel like giving them peace of my mind. I've gotten older and I learned the times that I did it and God told me not to, I made a mess of it. One particular thing that I won't share with you, it took me over a decade, over a decade, to rectify what I did because I was just going to do it my way. But I rebelled when I should have listened. So I want you to lose it. Lose the need to rebel. All right, we're moving right along. Give you Joshua 1.18. The verse behind that says this. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. Now this was the time 
of Joshua. We're not going to be put to death because we're under grace. But this was the time that Joshua was supposed to take over Moses and go into the promised land and battle. And God told Joshua, anybody who don't listen to you, they're going to end up losing their life. And so I want you to be strong and courageous. So I want you to do the same thing. I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. But I don't want you to rebel in the process because the enemy that's on your trail will take over you if you refuse to listen. How about you say this? I'm going to listen to the Lord. Isaiah 50 and 6. Ooh, this is now. Now I, I didn't say this because I was moving quite a quick, quite a quick. But Isaiah fifty four through eleven is prophetically speaking of Jesus and his sacrifice. It's talking about Jesus' road to the cross. That's why Jesus had to rebuke Peter because it was prophesied of him what he was supposed to do. So he knew what he was supposed to do. So we're using this this passage, even though it speaks directly to Jesus, it indirectly speaks to us. So let's look at this which definitely speaks to Jesus, but some of it can be applied to us. Isaiah 50 and 6. I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Jesus literally did this. He was whipped. He was beat. They plucked his beard out, all those things. But figuratively, there's a lot of stuff we're trying to fix that we're wasting our time on. You can't make nobody like you. You can't make nobody appreciate you. You can't chase every lie out about you. You can't worry about everybody who doesn't like what you're doing. You can't explain yourself to every little thing and not be great. You can do it, but you, you're going to sacrifice greatness. So sometimes you just got to move on. So I turned my back. Yes, people are putting knives in your back. People who you took care of, that you've done well for, they'll talk about you like a dog. Can't worry about it. It's not easy. But you, you sometimes you just got to lose it. Some friends, you just have to lose. Some relationships, you just have to lose. You can't worry about it because it'll stop you from being what you need to be. You just got to move on. You got to move forward. You got to go the way God wants you to go. This, this morning as I was driving here to church, I, I, I noticed the sky. It was so beautiful, but it was cloudy and beautiful. It was stormy. And so I was passing uh, what we call Northwest Plaza, and I was heading south, heading toward the church. And so I just pulled out my phone and videoed really quick just how beautiful the sky looks. But by the time I got to the Memorial Bridge, which is the bridge that's right across the river from Central, when I got there, the sky had shifted to blue. And what God spoke to me, the only reason why I moved from stormy clouds to blue skies is I kept moving forward. If I had stopped, I would have stayed under stormy clouds. But the fact that I had a destination and I kept moving forward, the clouds shift from stormy to brighter, brighter skies. And there are brighter days headed if you stop turning around and worry about everybody else. Yeah. Got to move forward. And he, Jesus said, he did it for us. He said, I, he allowed him to spit in his face, pluck his beard. And, and, and here's the thing. They would hit him and say, who hit you? And out of all people, Jesus knew who hit him. But he, the Bible says he said not a word. Like a lamb going to the slaughter, he said not a word. Because he was doing it for you and I. Now, if Jesus can go through that for me, I can go through some stuff. Now, I don't, I don't want none of y'all trying to pluck out my beard. I'm going to fight back. That ain't what I'm talking about. But figuratively, there's some things that happen against you. People talk about you. They'll put stuff on Facebook about you. All this stuff. You cannot let it stress you out. It's not worth it. Lose it. Lose your desire to care about everything that people say and think about you. Well, I can't post this. I wonder what people would think about me. I can't do this. I wonder what people would think. I'm not worried about nobody. I'm going to do what I want to do. As long as God is approving it, I'm not trying to appease none of y'all. I'm trying to please God. And sometimes what pleases God makes other people mad. So be it. Lose it. Point number four. Here's another thing. And this is why Jesus was so strong in what he did. I lost my desire to protect myself. Hebrews 10.30. 
Here's, this is a beautiful one. Harder to do than it is to read, but it says this, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Now, when God says that, he means all people. So if there are some people who are on your case, they're bothering you, and God tells you, don't worry about them, move forward. What he's saying is, I'm going to take care of it. One preacher told my dad, he says that he was, actually, I, I think I remember who, who it was. I believe it was Pastor Willie James Jackson, the time that someone had broken into his house and I believe uh, hurt his, his wife. I believe it may have been his first wife and... uh I think it was his first wife, and then she, she, she died. And he's in the court, and he says to himself, or says to God, I can't let this man off the hook for what he did. Now listen, when somebody hurts your wife, that's right. You, you, you don't want nobody to hurt your loved ones. But it, it, was, it was done, and it was over with. And there he was. And the Lord spoke to him and says, you got to let him off of your hook. So I can put him on my hook. In other words, as long as you tried to repay and you tried to have vengeance and you tried to do it, they will never get what they deserve. You got to let go and let God. And this is what God says. Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. If you worry about everybody that's hurting you, you're wasting time because God wants to step in and he wants to fight for you. So sometimes you just got to let them off your hook. Now, now I, I got to be honest with you. God don't get them as quick as you want him to get them. <laughs> but they will get God. And this is why God says, pray for your enemies. And the reason why he says pray for your enemies is because if he gets on their case, it's going to be rough. And so God says, you pray for them so that they can be blessed by you. God told the same thing to Job. And the Bible says that God turned the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, the same friends that talked about him like a dog. But it wasn't until Job prayed for them that a breakthrough happened. So you just got to lose it. Somebody say it again. Lose it. Lose it. All right. Uh, Isaiah 57. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know I will not be put to shame. I've heard that saying many times, but when you look up flint, flint is actually a stone. It's where we get the cartoon flint stones. Flint is a hard stone. So in other words, in order to move forward, you have to be hardened. Because, especially us women... Uh, your, your, your feelings get hurt easy. You, 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 you get, I, I hear, I hear Devin say careful. So let me, let me walk, let me walk carefully. But it, let, let, let me tell you an example. Another one, one of uh, a great leader that's gone on, Bishop Turner. He did this example at, at a uh, men's meeting I was at. He was talking to the men. He said, men, when, when someone has sold a man, it drops in their heart like that. But when you assault a woman, it drops in our heart like that. Because women's emotions are much deeper. And so you can call yourself just joking around with her, and she'd be crushed to her core, and you didn't think, I didn't do nothing. I remember one time me and Devin was, was I thought we was joking and playing around. She told me to shut up. I told her to shut up, and she got mad. I'm like, wait a second. We said the same thing. But it don't hit the same way. And so what you have to understand is that the reason, let, let me get back to this verse so that I can make the point that I'm trying to make. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. I got to get hardened because I can't allow my emotions to always be triggered at every little thing. I, 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 I got to get a harder exterior. And, and, and even on your job, sometimes you cannot let them see you sweat. 
Sometimes you, you, sometimes you gotta fight the tears. It's nothing wrong with crying, ladies, but sometimes you gotta hold back the tears because that's just what they're trying to do. They're trying to make you cry. They're trying to break you. Go to the bathroom and wipe those tears and come back out harder. I'm not gonna let you break me. I know who I am. I know I deserve this position. I'm not gonna fold like a deck of cards. I'm gonna set my face like a fit because I will not be disgraced because I know who's got my back. That's why a little scrawny man can blow a whistle, hold up a white glove, and an 18-wheeler will stop. Not because of him, but the law backs him up. If the 18-wheeler would barrel over him, it would kill him. But then it would be hell to pay for whoever did it. So that's why he can stand in the middle of a street and control traffic because of who backs him up. And because of who backs you up, you can tell the devil, no, I will not fold. I will not fail. I will not break. I will not crack. You can lie on me. You can talk about me. You can run me down. But I'm going to keep being the best me that I can be. And what God has for me, it still is for me. I'm still going to be blessed. I, I'm still going to prosper. I, I'm still going to rise. I, I'm still going to make it. I will not be the great disgrace. And it also says, I will not be put to shame. All right, so five, no, point number five here then is this. I lost my desire to take the easy way out. So talking about being hard, so 2 Timothy 2, 3 says this. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, which seems to suggest if you don't endure hardness, you're a bad soldier. So people have been saying for years, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Or are you a good soldier or a bad soldier? A good soldier can endure hardness. Stop folding at every little thing. Learn how to endure and to persevere. All right, let's look at this Isaiah 61 and 7. And this covers both of those the last two points that we made from Isaiah 50, Isaiah 61, 7 says this, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. So basically this is where many preachers get for, uh, that you will get double for your shame or double for your trouble. So here, here's the thing. Uh, double one is two if you're adding, and it's one if you're multiplying. So the more you have, the more the double means. Double four is eight if you're adding, it's 16 if you're multiplying. So if you've had a bunch of shame up until this point, that means when God gives you double for your shame, it means he's about to bless your socks off. So stop crying over the trouble because everything God, the devil tried to trouble you with, God's getting ready to double it and expand and blow your mind. And you're going to be so happy they talked about you. You're going to be so happy you cried. You're going to be so happy that you failed. You're going to be so happy because once God gets done with you, you're going to look back over it and say, wow, I'm glad for everything I've gone through. And I'm in that season now. I've been through a lot, but I'm glad for everything I've been through. And one thing I can say for sure, it has come out in me as anointing. I, what I've gone through has anointed me. Yes, I've had hands laid on me. Bishop Jake laid his hands on my head and did nothing happen. Something did happen, but did nothing really happen. It was, it was quite quite interesting. I was in a line of people. There was two guys beside me. One pastor, he pastors in Houston, pastors a huge church in Houston. Bishop Jake put his hands on his head. He fell out. And I was next. The first person fell out. The second person fell out. He put his hand on my head, and I didn't feel nothing. And then he backed up from me, and he said, I speak creativity over your life. He's saying some stuff that didn't make sense to me. But I didn't know it. a year later I was going to be a pastor. And one of the things people say about me, they say, you're so creative, pastor. Some of the stuff you come up with, I don't know how you come up with it. And then I reminded that way back when Bishop Jake put his hands 
on my head. I thought I was going to shake and jerk and fall and drool, but something was deposited in me for what I needed later. So I'm here to let you know, don't worry how it comes. It may come different for you. You may not get goosebumps. You may not shake, but what God has for you, it is for you. Now I'm on TikTok and all kinds of talks and doing all kinds of stuff. Stuff coming in my head every day and every night. And now people on the outside who don't come in the doors, they say, I like you and will you pray for me? And if I was to go to church, I would choose your church because I like the way you are. You're relevant and down to earth. And I didn't try to be relevant and down to earth. But the spirit of creativity that was prophesied over my life, it showed up when I needed. And there's some prophecies over your life that the devil can't stop the devil can't block so you got to be willing to lose it i'm about ready to close but i I feel like going just a little more i got got a few more verses but but one of my i I don't want to get into it because i can't do it justice but one of my favorite rap songs is by a man named eminem white rapper and it's called lose yourself and if you, if you know anything about the story, it was him being nervous and scared, but stepping in the, in, 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 in the rhyme, he says, my knees are shaking and my palms are sweaty, but, but, but I'm still ready. You gotta, you gotta learn how to lose yourself in the moment. I'm here to tell you, you might be afraid, you might be scared, but I want you to lose it. Lose it for God. Lose your mind for God. Sister K, many years ago, we talked about losing my mind, but I found it for God. All right, let's look at Isaiah Isaiah 58. It says this, he who gives me justice is near. Who will dare bring to, who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. So point number six, I lost my desire to worry about accusations. All right, let's look at Revelations 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And so... I can say it this way. Yes, there are people who are accusing you. There's accusations, but there is the the ultimate accuser who is Satan. And the people who are accusing you, they're only being triggered by Satan. And the Bible says he accused us to God night and day. But God didn't care nothing about him because what the scripture says, the accuser of the brother has come, but he's found nothing in me. Why? Because God has secured me. God has declared me not guilty. What you don't understand, there is a heavenly courtroom and God is the judge. And the prosecutor is the devil. And you are the plaintiff. And everything the prosecutor is talking about you is not a lie. Some of the stuff is true. You did it. You said it. You were there. It's true. But you got a lawyer named Jesus Christ. And he knows how to step in and protect your case. I may not have been the best father, but I did the best I knew how. I may not have been the best uh, wife, but I did the best I knew how. And Jesus will step in and make the difference. I don't have to cry over who I wasn't and what I didn't do and how I didn't make it and how I used to be addicted. But today is a new day and I will do a new thing in you. And I hear God saying, he's not guilty because my son is standing before him and my son is saying, Overrule. Every time the devil says something, my son says, overrule. Well, you were hooked on pornography. Overrule. You were hooked on cocaine. Overrule. You weren't a good mother. Overrule. I don't care what the devil says. It means nothing because God fights for his people. That verse in, in verse 8 says, God is near. He's, he's near. Isaiah 59. See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. Some of y'all too young to know about mothballs in the closet. 
Because moth would get in your clothes and tear stuff up. But guess what? That's what God is doing to your enemies. He's getting in there and tearing them down. He, 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 he's, he's putting holes in them, putting holes in their argument, putting holes in all the stuff they're trying to do against you. So you don't have time to worry about it. I lose my attention for my enemies. Here's point number seven. I lost my desire to worry about my enemies. Deuteronomy. 28 and 7. Here's another verse to go with that. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Isaiah 50, 10 and 11. These are the last two verses. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord. And rely on your God. If you're here, I'm assuming you're trusting in the Lord. But let me encourage you, keep on trusting in him. Even though it feels like you're losing, keep on trusting in him. Because what you're going to find out that you're going to realize that you're walking in light while other people are walking in darkness. And so verse 11, and the last verse, but I have a, a, another point to make. Last verse, but watch out, you who live in your own light. And warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. It's point number eight. I lost my desire to do things my own way. It says you, you, you create your own fire. You, you do your own thing. And, and, and there's so many things like I can say, and I don't want to waste a lot of time, but let's just start something very simple. Don't just go out and shop for Christmas. Talk to God. And ask God, what does this person need? Or, or you, you, you don't, you don't understand how God will make you find deals and put stuff in your path. And you, you'll go to a place and accidentally bump into something that somebody wants. Don't do things your own way. On, on the big stuff, on the little stuff, do it God's way and you'll find out that God's way is the only way. Proverbs 3 6. This is the verse that we have with that. In all thy ways, go ahead and put it up, guys. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In a few of your ways, long, on Sunday morning, acknowledge him. As long as pastor is preaching, acknowledge him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. He's better than Siri. Listen, sometimes Siri will get you lost. Your GPS will get you lost. But God is better than that. He will navigate you. He will direct your path. You can look like you're falling today and be on top tomorrow because God will direct your path. All right, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to confess this together. Hopefully it, it will last with us. Say this, I lost it. But that's how I gained it. Gained what? I gained victory. Let's do it two more times. I lost it, but that's how I gained it. Gained what? I gained victory. I lost it, but that's how I gained it. Gained what? I gained victory. Now, come on, let's say it again with me. I lost it. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I come before you humbly and prayerfully. And there are some things that we must lose to gain you. But you're proving to us that we will never lose by losing for you. Trying to gain without you, we will always lose. But losing for you, we will never lose. And so we're willing to lose now to be blessed later. So God, forgive us of anything that we've done that was outside of your will any thinking patterns, thought patterns, activity that was outside of your will. Help us to lay down our life for you so that we can win it in the end. And for that, we give you praise and thanksgiving, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.